Hello and welcome to the inaugural episode of Celtic Roulette. I am your host Chris Gallagher and I've got a fantastic panel um, to discuss and debate some points uh, and we'll talk about the process of how we're going to do that in just a couple of minutes. But sitting to my left hand side, it's Alan Edgar. Hello Alan, how are you friend? I'm good mate, I'm good. I'm looking forward to this. It could be the first of this pod series and it could be the, the last, last. <laughs> the, the listeners will be the judge absolutely <clears throat> excuse me absolutely alan a uh, lot of enthusiasm there uh straight ahead <laughs> sitting in samani's seat i so. know i was gonna say i i was hello christopher it's great to be here <laughs> yeah <clears throat> just a bit of chris Amani fun um straight ahead of me is the wonderful barry gallagher hello barry how are you friend very well thanks i'm intrigued because i think part of the beauty of this pod is we don't know too much about it yet which i believe you're about to impart us with Wisdom. Wisdom, yeah. Um, so we've done this a couple of times in different kind of... I remember, I think me and Samani did it when we, as a small feature in one of the weekly podcasts we had. Um, and when we did this small feature, we had a lot of really positive feedback. People seemed to really, really like it, which was great. Uh, Liam liked it, uh, your friend, uh, of course. Good man. Um, and uh, yeah, and lots of, uh, <laughs> lots of other good feedback and stuff. So... Yeah, great to basically give it its own uh, opportunity of a pod on its own. So let me break down what's happening. We've not done any... This is the first pod and it's been great. I've not had to do any research. Um, we we do do extensive research for every feature pod that we do. Um, but we've not had to because what we've done is I have taken the time to cut up 40 different Celtic-related words, Celtic FC-related words. So managers, players games um other kind of various points i didn't put i didn't put this in but this is the sort of thing you could put in uh, i didn't say the temporary stand for example you yeah. could have put that in um you, you know there's certain players who probably aren't I, you know pomic stays not on this because i thought you know we need more and more as we go on but players different kind of uh, concepts games everything so it's basically a word to start a discussion in what's wrong it's just two great things I would have loved to have talked about. It's a shame. It's a bad, it's a bad start. It's off to a bad oh, start. Off to a bad start. Um, well, maybe they'll, they'll be in episode two. <laughs> Let's Later do episode then. two tonight. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, it's basically 40, uh, 40 Celtic-related words. Um, we're absolutely not... The way, the way the three of us talk, we'll probably get about through about fucking four. Um, but we're going to try to get through as many as we can. We'll take uh, basically... Each of his old. We've got basically a metal bowl with it's old school. A metal bowl. Do you want to tap, tap the bowl? Yeah, dig it's in. Gong at mass. Beautiful. Do it. See, see, I think through him, with him, in him, in the unity of the Lord, <laughs> in, in Latin, preferably. <laughs> um, <laughs> so forty words, uh, basically, uh, in the gong of filed ball and we're each going to take our uh, our turn we'll mix it up we'll pick a we'll pick a kind of piece of paper out we'll explain what it is and then we'll talk about it uh, it's a very simple concept it should be a lot of fun uh who wants to go first is there anyone that wants to go first but oh barry's hand straight up let's mix it up barry let's mix it up there we go in the, the old rod stewart here oh yeah oh, oh hand deep in there we go so, is rod <laughs> no okay here we go what's the temporary stand now <laughs> it is bim jansen Oh, Wim Janssen, Wim Janssen, we can't see how bad he's going to across. Uh, yeah, of course, Wim Janssen, one of the the great, yeah, if you could leave it out of the side. Barry, like, you, you want to start? Let's get involved. Yeah, um, obviously sad news uh, with his fairly recent passing, but what an impact he had, a short, what was it, 12, 13 months at the club. Um, 
I think at that point in time it was needed because obviously we're, everyone is a great fan of Tommy Burns and how yep. attractive his football was. But for that particular season, um, with what was at stake, I think that Fergus McCann made it clear that he wanted someone who wasn't attached to the situation, who wasn't familiar with it. So an outside outsider coming in who was just going to focus purely on getting a team together to try and do as well as they possibly could. And boy, did they. Um, he organised because I think that was one of the biggest criticisms of the Tommy Burns team was that we couldn't defend. And I think the first thing that Janssen did was sort of make us hard to beat. Um, and there was some attractive games in there. We've covered them uh, on podcasts before. But someone who will be held in Celtic history forever. Um, I think he saw how well the club sort of treated um, his family and stuff when he when he passed away. And yeah, I think the word legend is maybe thrown about too easily. But I think for what was at stake that season, then I would argue that he is a Celtic legend. Uh, he comes in, he stops taking a role. And he leaves after one season. Uh, Alan, what's your thoughts on Wim Janssen? Just an, an incredible impact that I think over time grows stronger and stronger. Um, not not just not just winning the league, but you actually look at some of the players he brought in and the last impact there. Um, he did set the club up for maybe not on course for exactly the success that would come in the years after, but he certainly played his part. And I, I think a lot of managers that came after Wim Janssen would have been really, really happy with some of the recruitment and some of the work that he he had done there. Um, I think maybe just aside from immediately just talking about Celtic winning the league and stopping what would have been just unfathomable 10th um, consecutive title for Rangers is uh, there's so many images that as soon as the name gets pulled out that come into your head and we were talking yesterday um, just about like old Celtic merchandise. Yeah. And, there's so much of it that I think back to that was kind of Wim's era. I remember him with the, the quilted jacket uh, standing on the sidelines. What I always liked, there's so many iconic images and kind of video footage that you see of Celtic goals where Wim's just, it's as if he was just taking it all in. Mm-hmm. He had that aura of a manager that likes to let the players have the moment when they score a goal. Um, likes to not be, you know, he was polar opposite, you know, from the way Martin O'Neill would celebrate, for example. There's no right or wrong. Your team scores a goal, you do what you like. Wim is always quite, he would always just kind of take a step back and it's almost that he took the emotion out of it. And that's one of the things probably that he was brought in for, someone who could take the emotion out of the title race and actually just put a team on the part that could win. Um, so I do, I just knew nothing about him. I was too young probably to remember him as a, certainly too young to remember as my player and didn't have the, I don't know the appetite to go and seek out that information on old World Cup players when I was what, whatever nine years old, ten years old. But he's the manager that delivered the first ever league title in my lifetime. So very, very special. Um, it was very, very sad to see him uh, obviously pass away and after his illness last year. But he'll always be remembered at Celtic Park and his place in history around Celtic Park, inside Celtic Park, on the walls and people's memories is just absolutely. That's uh, it's not going anywhere. Well, I wanted them sacked after the second game uh, when we lost at home to Dunfermline. Um, I'll never remember the boo that went up at full time because two, two first two games, obviously the defeat against Hibs, some idiot gives the ball away in the middle of the pitch. And uh, the second defeat, Hamish French scoring a penalty. Hamish yeah, French, yeah. who looked about sixty, Scottish Ravenelli, yes, absolutely. Um, but yeah, I remember you know after that, he number six. 
for the Fermon. Maybe French. Maybe, I don't know. I can't, I can't think. That's, you know. Maybe unlocked a, a, a completely different memory. It's just <laughs> been thrown up into my mind there. Um, but yeah, I remember standing and um, hearing those boos and going home and my dad just being so disheartened, you know, very much in our style. Bar. Maybe it's a Gallagher thing of, that's the league done. We're absolutely done. They've got 10 in a row. It's a disgrace. Um, but yeah, just to kind of fight back from that. And I think that squad, you know, you talk about squads that you kind of like, um as a real likable squad, you know, even guys like Darren Jackson, who had a really troubled time at Celtic, obviously because of his, you know, his um, injury and stuff and having to have surgery. And I think actually he, if he'd got a good run of it, he would have got a better kind of opportunity. Um, but obviously he was, he was, he was ill and stuff. Larson and just all that. I just, I, I, Wim Jansen, you know, I was 15. So it's that kind of golden time for, you know, taking all, being like a sponge. So, an amazing, an amazing man, a guy who absolutely deserves that legendary status. I was just going to say, we often talk about spines of teams, and if you think, if you think of Reaper, Reaper and Stubbs, essentially, Lambert and Burley, and then Larson, like, he did, that's, the strength of that spine was, was what was missing the season before and the, the season before that, and yeah, I think that's a, that's a great point about how he just came in removed from the situation recruitment was really good mm-hmm. and just before we move on as well obviously after the terrible start I think the turning point was probably that Tyrrell Innsbruck game yeah. that we did the, the focus on because Celtic kind of came alive that's the first sort of big European night I can remember um, and obviously we've gone on to have many since but I think that was the making of that team um, and I think the relationships built that night between the players as well really helped us push on that season I'd, for some reason, I didn't have a ticket to that match, and I remember listening to it. I remember it so specifically because it was the day before we went back to school, and I was sitting at my desk. I had a wee, like when I say my desk, it was like this this <laughs> shitty cool. week. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's a nightmare on Elm Street. Um, but no, like um, just remember sitting and listening to it on the radio. And that is not a game you listen to on the radio because you, you just want that visual. But yeah, Wim Janssen, uh, Celtic icon, Celtic legend. Uh, he came, he saw, he kicked some ass, uh, and then he went off into the sunset tremendous alan you want to pick next sure thing he did the uh, when jansen did the ultimate george costanza going out in a high didn't he <laughs> that's it for me that's it for me i'm going oh. number two. Oh, well there's, there's a thread reggie blinker <laughs> oh, <geez>. reggie blinker <laughs> actually i can only say so many nice things about a dutchman um and i'm all maxed i'm out. all maxed out yeah so um yeah yeah, I remember how excited we were when Reggie Blinker came in. I don't know, were you as excited as me? I was, see, because I knew who it was, I think. I think that's largely, it probably still is to a certain extent, if you sign a player that you're familiar with and you're aware of and they're a winger, you look and think, it's going to be good. And Reggie Blinker, it just seemed like it was going to be good. Especially when you're trading him with Paolo Di Canio. Yeah. I probably wasn't the best deal, but then I was about to say, Paolo Di Canio wasn't a particularly nice guy, but he was a fucking great football player. <laughs> <laughs> so you really, at the age of whatever time, I don't think I was particularly thinking about anything other than that. I think, I'm trying to think of nice things to say about Reggie Blinker. He had nice hair. He had really good hair. He, he, great hair. he, was, he was really nice to Henrik Larson. He actually started the season pretty well. He did. He, do you remember the image of him um, in the kilt? When it was, he was promote, he was promoting something for like I don't know, like with the club, and I always remember this image of, of him in the, in a kilt 
with like doing the Highland sort of stance. I'll see yeah. if I can pick that picture. Phoenix up. Honda or something like that. Yeah. yeah. So he's good at getting pictures taken. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He did score a few important goals, and I also remember. Remember when Vicos de Pitodri did that I was going to say. Rabona and mm-hmm. he finished it off. But the out, and I know this is probably overplayed now, but the one thing that I would associate with Reggie Blinker is that one on one in the Maximir, is it, in Croatia? Yeah. He went one on one with the goal and shat it. I actually saw it fairly recently. It's quite hard to come across that clip, but it wasn't as bad as I remember, but it is still a shocker. And I think the tie was still in balance at that point. And he just didn't fancy it. He pulled away when he could have taken it around to keep it or whatever. It was a bit Gary McKay Stephen at the San Siro, wasn't it? Yep. Um, or at the Etihad as well. Gary McKay Stephen has two opportunities like that. I think in the same game. That's very soon. Um, just in regards to Reggie Blinker, to put it into context for maybe younger viewers, uh, he was traded as part of the Decanio deal we got. Reggie Blinker on some money and they got Decanio. Um, he was a big name, Alan. And I, I tell you... Uh, I used to, I didn't have Sky at that point, um, but a guy in school did, uh, David McLaughlin, and he used to watch Euro goals, and he'd come in and he'd be like, this guy's good, there's this guy called Michael Zork at Dortmund, there's this guy called, you know, X, Y, and Z, and he used to always say, Reggie Blinker, who was at Feyenoord at the time before he went to Holland, he was like, oh, because I think the season that Sheffield, sorry, the season that Sheffield Wednesday signed him, he'd signed some, scored something like 14 goals mm-hmm. for Feyenoord, and he was like a really kind of big player. And he signed for us, and I don't, I don't want to use the word shite bag, but he just, he's every fifty fifty, he would kind of jump out of every time we were at a game where we were under pressure. Yeah, he was never one to. Salmon asked was someone who always wanted the ball, even if people were going to boo him. Blinker was the opposite of that. He would just be like, ah, I'm, oh, I'm getting marked. Oh God, I think, yeah, just no big moments no. would be the thing for me that. For a player of that calibre or potential calibre, you need to impact bigger games because we had enough jobbers over the years and those kind of areas. We needed yeah. someone that was actually a big game player. Yeah. The phrase I would probably say now if we were watching would be, do you know fancy to do? <laughs> Every time we played. Absolutely. <laughs> I, I think, well, I mean, we can wrap up pretty quickly on Rage Bank, but a story I, I always think is hilarious is uh, one of his first games was we played Berwick Rangers in the League Cup. At Tynecastle. At Tynecastle. Yeah. And he walked through the stadium and he looked around and said and went, oh my God, this is a Scottish third division stadium. <laughs> I wonder what the kind of Premier League stadium, and I can't remember who it was, put his arm around and went, no, nah, the, the stadium's too small, so we've had to go to Tynecastle. Exactly. He scored in that game as well. It's actually the third biggest in the league. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll take the... In fact, oh, what, you used to... No, just no, go, you go oh. for it. It's your... Just before, if Claire comes in and you're holding the mixing bowl, I'd rather she bats you over the head with a rolling pin. We've been back to 1950 here I for this have, scenario. We certainly have. Okay, here we go. Uh, boom, 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 boom. Nice wee spinny around it. Put that back if you could, Barry. Thank you, friend. Okay, here we go. What have we got? We have got... Bobby Petter. <laughs> oh, oh, it's another Dutchman. It's the, it's the hat-trick of Dutchman. Uh, all varying in quality. It's Pierre van Hoydonk. If you'd like to put that there, Barry. Uh, sure, thank you. I'll keep them just for um, yes, camera for yeah. for it. Uh, we've got we've got those forty in there, and I don't want to have to like put them out and figure out which one we had. Uh, Pierre van Hoydonk. Um, this one should be pretty quick because we've done a whole podcast on Pierre Cadet and uh, De Canio and our thoughts on them. Pierre van Hoydonk for me is the first Celtic superstar. Um, I, I would I would I would argue in regards to kind of bringing foreign players in that really uh, blew up. Um, I, th- I think everyone knows about his kind of 
dispute with the club, then his dispute with Nottingham Forest, and then, you know, he's had a lot of disputes with a lot of clubs with a lot of different points of view. But in terms of sheer talent, I'm, I would, if I was to pick a, an 11 of Celtic players that I've seen in my lifetime, he would be a real contender to play up front. Um, that's not to say he definitely would, but, you know, the idea of seeing Pierre Van Houdonk and Henrik Larsson playing off each other, I just think is... Magical, um, and I just yeah, Barry. Just on that as well. So I remember the story that once we'd got Larson, and I remember obviously as you mentioned, we had Dan Jackson, and we tried a few different strike partners, and I think around about the December time, obviously before there was transfer windows, we were desperate for a sort of foil for Larson, and the story was that Jansen was desperate to get Van Hoyden, but McCann wouldn't have it. That would have been unreal. And just on his sort of goal scoring prowess, um, there was a thread on the Huddle Board recently about strikers who have scored 20 goals in a season at every club they've been at, and he was one of the names. Oh, really? Well, it was an esteemed company because I think Zlatan was the sort of biggest one, but someone said Van Hoydonk did it and showed it. So he did it in Turkey, Portugal, England, England, um, Scotland, Spain. Um, no, was it Spain? Did he play in Spain? I don't think he played in Spain. No, no. But. Um, yeah, just a great goal scorer and a great player as well. His free kicks, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, played in the World Cup in France. Um, he talks He talks with a lot of dignity and a lot of respect for guys like Tommy Burns and yeah. guys like Peter Grant and Paul McStay and all that. I think just just on that about... Because it feels like any time you talk about Pierre, you talk about the quotes, you talk about his exit, and that's understandable because he was at the peak of his powers and then it very quickly dissipated. I think it's maybe now when you see the kind of the time that's passed and players get older, wiser, when they don't have to think about the decisions to make money and set themselves up for life. I think players do realise and they do, they will look at it and say that Celtic's, you know, the biggest club they played for. Most players will say that. And I think the other thing, he's kind of, I don't really hold ill will towards him. I know the comments are entirely different to what, you know, we as Celtic fans would... Can you pass me my water, sorry? Sure, aye. I thought you were pointing back at the, uh, <laughs> the bit of paper that said PN. I was like, I know, mate, I'm talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, I'm getting there. Um, I think, I don't really hold that I will. Now, even though those Do you think comments, that's because of time, though? Do you think- I, no, I think it is, but I think... Look, we were talk, we talk every Monday about current players, current events, news stories, and you you do have to kind of realise that this, this has players' careers. Players' careers are at their best a decade maybe if they're lucky 10, you know 15 years or whatever. I think Pierre probably was keen to go and make money and the comments aren't great but see when you actually put it in the context of over time, I, I quite like Pierre and see any time he comes back, I, I'm always quite happy to hear from him. A very different era in Celtic's history he's aged magnificently so he obviously did get a good deal so maybe he is um, a good advert for going and earning more money and you can get whatever he's done done because he looks great for a player. What yeah. age must he be now? 50s? Well, 50s. Uh, yeah, 50s, yeah, I'd say. I mean, he looks magnificent. He'd have been yeah. early 20s, uh, 25 years ago, so I, I, I suppose the kind of point I'm making is at the time, the, but time is a kind of real healer for things like this. I don't know. Do you real, hold any real ill will towards I Pierre? think Pierre Van Hoydonk comes, a, like, so see what you're saying there? I completely agree but not everyone's like that. So that's why I think he stands out because I like him. I've forgiven him. I think he genuinely has tried to 
explain the situation and explain, you know, where his mind was. And I think he kind of has, in a way, sort of, a, not apologised, but just made it clear that, look, it happened and what you're going to do. There's other players who haven't. So it's good, though, and the reason I'm, I suppose I'm bringing it up, it's good to find a line. Pierre, forgiveness, yes. Decanio for being a fascist. <laughs> No, no. <laughs> it's good. It's just so we can get a kind of middle ground of, you know, where forgiveness is. And yes. Pierre, yes. Fascist, less so. Less so. I think, just to kind of round off on that, is I think one of the reasons why it is sort of you can understand the situation, like you saw how difficult it was for Tommy Burns to deal with Fergus McCann. Yeah. And don't get me wrong, the, the way they handled themselves, the, the sort of three amigos for leaving wasn't great, but... You can well imagine that Fergus promised them things and then because he didn't have it in writing, he was like, prove it. Um, because like, my can... word is as good as my bond. That's it. Um, it's not bad, actually. I know. I know. In terms me. of your, your impersonations, that is, that is up there. <laughs> Bit of Jimmy Cagney, you know, what are you going to do? But no, a, a great player and I'm the same as you. I've forgiven him. Yeah, absolutely. And as, as I say, before we move on, yeah, Alan, I think that's a good point, the idea that like um, time passes and you know you can forgive players. But as I say, there are players, even from that era, who I don't forgive. Sid. I didn't say that, and he might be in the ball. Barry, you're up. <laughs> shake him up, shake him up, shake him up. There's another Dutchman. There's something wrong. No. Yeah. I'm going for Dirk Borigta. Oh. He's, he's not in there. <laughs> I seen Bobby Pett actually last week. Did you? He does training sessions up. Oh, the fuck, this is going to be Bobby Pett. <laughs> get, oh. be- get better with Pitta. Martin O'Neill. Ah, Martin O'Neill, beautiful. Love. Moving into the 21st century. Yeah. Um, Barry, what's up? A hero. Um, I would probably say he's right up there as my sort of favourite son of Celtic. Um, completely changed the way that I viewed Celtic. Kind of, he enabled us to get our pride back as a club. Yes. Um, gave us gave me some of the best days of my Celtic supporting life, and what he's been away almost twenty years now, which is crazy to think. Fuck yeah. Um. Recently met him, um, had a kind of meet and greet thing with him and he was... You did say that there, like, oh, I met Martin, I met him for a wee pint, aye, <laughs> no bother. Meet and greet, can't hide money. <laughs> <laughs> and he was brilliant, um, just so funny, so quick-witted and a legend, um, just fondly and I think that, I think you've said this before, Gal, like my family just referred to him as St Martin, I think you said yeah, my family does, the same yeah. and he was kind of that sort of held in that high regard with... JFK and Padre Pio. And yeah. <laughs> there's not many that get that from like your grannies and aunties and stuff like that. And everybody just loved him and adored him. And you can still see the impact that he's had on the club even now. Um, just with, I mentioned about Vim Janssen having that first sort of big European night. Well, Martin O'Neill had the best and getting to European finals, something that I don't think we'll see anytime soon. And it was just... An incredible run um, 20 years ago this season. And what a man. Can't speak highly enough of him. Um, and he's, uh, he's a superstar in my eyes. What I think is interesting is, right, you know, over the last kind of uh, week or two, there's been all this discourse about Scottish football and about how the old former two, you can't, you know, gain ground on them. And, you know, the league's really uncompetitive. Cut back to 2000. Cut back to Celtic under, you know, or even just the, the late, ni- late 90s. Um, I thought Celtic were European also runs and I thought I could never in my life have, when I was sitting watching that Hamburg game and watching that PSG game and, you know, later losing, you know, you know fucking under Vengloss and 
I could never have foreseen Celtic ever bridging that gap between, you know, even the Bordeaux, not the Bordeaux game, but the, you know, the Leon game and stuff like where Larson broke his leg and, you know, bridging that gap I always thought was, it was unbridgeable. You could not do it. It was too much. It was too far. Cut to a very short time later, three years later, and we're in a European final. And that's that whole, you know, Ange Postacoglu's mentioned it, that aspirational thing. Martin O'Neill came in like a world winner, like, had this philosophy, he's like, you have to be the best we can be. We're going to competitiveness and training, aggression. If you're, if it's no for you the day, pal, it won't be for you at any other time. Guys like David Fernandez coming in, clearly not being able to keep up to the pace and just be him just, you know, left in a heap, you know. And I, I just think what, what you know, Martin O'Neill... And would this work now? I don't know. Maybe there's a whole different philosophy. But the fact is, he came in, he was a winner. He made everyone feel like winners. He made everyone fear him. So many old school aspects mixed in with that kind of change in the kind of narrative uh, of, of continental football. And I just think that what he did is, uh, it's he's the best Celtic manager I've ever seen. He's my favourite Celtic manager. And it would be very hard for anyone to do what he did. I think just, I, I agree with everything you've both said. Some of the most incredible moments in my kind of teen years were because Martin O'Neill came to Celtic, whether that was at the time or whether it was 10 years later. Yeah. He really started that, that thread. I think in terms of what he changed specifically in terms of my mindset over Celtic, aside from we can be very successful, was it highlighted to me that it wasn't, I think prior to that, there was a tendency that the manager could just kind of be whoever. Because if you'd good players, someone could get a tune out. I think bringing in Martin O'Neill, forget the circumstances in which it happened, whether it's, you know, Dermot Desmond meeting somebody at races or whatever. That's, I know that's a well-trodden kind of idea. But the idea that if you have someone at the helm who knows exactly what they want to do yeah. and they have the clout and they have the... Um, they have the kind of persona to be able to demand it, then you can get good things. And I think that was because Martin O'Neill came in, he had been such a successful manager down south and he was on the way up and he took the decision to come here. I think it then changed a little bit of, right, actually, we're going to have to back this guy. And he knew exactly what he wanted to get and get. He had a plan. Um, he built a team that was wildly successful and, you know, given what had come before it over a period of... Um, kind of four or five years and I think that just changed to me that you can't. it's not enough to have a great striker and then loads of kind of functional players around them you need a manager who comes in and knows what they want to do and I think all the successful managers we've had over the year whether you liked them or not and I'm talking about he's the, the exact man that replaced them because obviously he's not as anywhere near as popular Gordon Stratton but see to be a popular, see to be a successful Celtic manager, you need to come in and you can't come in and take a month or two to decide, right, I'll see what I've got, then I'll decide. You need to come in and say, here's my man. idea and this this is going to happen at this club regardless. I think when you think about every successful Celtic manager since Martin O'Neill, they have all come in and just did whatever they wanted to do, whether they had the personnel to or not. The example we've got at the moment, what we did last year, you think of the way we played last year, given some of the personnel we had. At first, it just felt a wee bit like, why is this guy trying this? He's no get the players. But you need to just do what you think is best. I think all the managers, O'Neill, Strachan, Rodgers, 
Lennon to an extent, mm-hmm. um, and Ange Postecoglou all have ensured that whatever they did, it was in their own terms. And I think the other managers are all a wee bit more functional. Guys like Mowbray, I think, came in and were willing to be a wee bit too pragmatic almost. And I think sometimes that can be a bit of a flaw. Whereas O'Neill kind of came in and said, idea, you come in. Do you not think and that Lennon. Absolutely in charge. Do you not think Lennon was kind of. You know, his time at Celtic is obviously a time when Rangers went out of business. Mm-hmm. And he, he had a bit of a free run at it. Mm-hmm. You know, you, do you think Lennon. He'd less pressure on him. I think Lennon was pretty pragmatic, because and I think his pragmatism was based on the fact that you know the league. If you get a decent enough team, we're probably going to win the league. I think I think the circumstances are different, but first time round, I think Lennon was Neil Lennon had the bit between his teeth a lot more in his early managerial career, like a lot more. Now he didn't have the same idea of how to play football necessarily as any of the other guys. He didn't have his style, I think he was much more comfortable in setting a team up and making sure that the players did their job, which is more O'Neill than, say, Rodgers. But Neil Lennon, to me, was very demanding first time round, very aggressive. He was very... He put a lot on his players and he put a lot of demands on the players. I think over the years, I can only actually compare it to the second time or third time Let's not talk too much about him because he might be in there. Yeah. I, I, I think there was very different... It was almost like he was really wanting to cut his teeth first time round. Obviously, being reserve manager, then going manager, it felt like he had something to prove. Over time, it felt like the comfort net of being at Celtic maybe just took a little bit of that bite away. And I, I remember Neil Lennon being manager first time round, and I loved the the atmosphere he created around it. I really did. I felt like it engulfed everyone, and it really got everyone on the same kind of page. And it worked to a certain extent. Um, but over time, I think that. That definitely led away, and by the end, I mean, Christ, boy, it was gone. Right. <laughs> you were throwing fences. <laughs> before, before we kind of move on, uh, and I, I want to get both your points on this, because this is something I think about quite regularly, because uh, i seen a thread on it on Twitter. Um, Martin O'Neill's best Celtic versus Ange Postacoglu's best Celtic. I would still go with O'Neill's. I, th- I, 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 I don't want. To be, I don't mean to be a dick, and I don't mean to be like someone who's always looking back at that time. I think they'd battle them, and that's not to say. No, no, I, I just mean physically. Mm-hmm. I mean physically. Now, the, the the team that we have today currently is fantastic, and they're so fast, and their quickness of thought, and we've got some unbelievable players. And I think it would be a fantastic game of football. I just think that you you think about Larson and, and Sutton and Hartson up against some other centre halves, and I, you know that's not to say that CCV and Starfield are in any way. I just don't think they'd face that. Like, I don't think they'd face that physicality. Don't tend to even face two strikers now. Exactly. Yeah. Also, it's, it's a question you can never ask. It's probably more about preference, which I understand, Alan. I'd happy to see you at that 11 v 11. I'd love that. That'd be fucking unbelievable. That's that 2004... Age gap right enough, but <laughs> still, still a big game. That 2003-04 Celtic side, man, fucking... Oh, the best I do like it when you see those hypothetical debates and then people absolutely have a right pop at each other. I, I love that kind of content. That is what really social media is all about. Absolutely. A question that can never be answered, then I'm going to fucking answer it. I'm going to answer it. I'll answer it for a good proper. <laughs> answer that you're but yeah, yeah. Um, let's oh, go. About, oh no, it's Barry's turn. No, no, no it's it means. Alan, big shake, big shake, Alan. There we go. Oh, he's doing it so well. He's doing so good. You're doing so good, Alan. I'm Thank so you. proud of you. Thank you. <laughs> a lot. It doesn't happen. I, I see that pull out first uh, before you. Um, right, okay, we have got... Oh, for fuck's sake. Look at Neil Lennon. <laughs> <laughs> no joke, Luke. Oh, for fuck's sake. Um, 
just everything you just said. It doesn't. <laughs> do you remember when we did? Was it the um, the Cynic Wars and we had Effie Ambrose first time round? Or no, was it pre Juventus and post Juventus? Yeah. We should have a Neil Lennon first time and second time. I, I said what I said about him there. Okay, I, talk, I, talk, I, about, talk about him as a player. Oh, okay. I mean, you can talk about you can talk about Neil Lennon positively, and you can just be talk, focusing on all the good things. You can talk about mm-hmm. you can do a bit of both. But Alan, you go first. You start as a player of that. He wasn't. I mean, I loved him. I loved his character as a player. I loved the personality they brought to the team. Yeah. At when I was, I mean, Neil Lennon signed for Celtic when I was twelve. I think he wasn't a standout to me, and. That probably is because when you watch games of football at that age, you're not looking at a player that keeps things ticking over. You're looking at Didi Agat because he's like quick. Larson. You're looking at Henrik Larson. You're looking at Stan Lubo. Petrov. Yeah, you're looking at guys Lugo, that yeah. play at the kind of sharp or centre halves that are kind of, you know, aggressive. Lennon was a player to me that I probably never appreciated at the time. But obviously, we look back in a lot of the games. We watch, you know, if we do a pod on you know, the Valencia games or whatever, then we would go and we would watch the game back. And do you know what really surprised me? when I'd, I can't remember what feature it was we did, um, but it was fairly recently. It really surprised me. He's actually, he played a lot higher up the park than yeah. I feel like I remember. Like he was actually quite incisive with his passing. I felt, I don't know if it's maybe because you just, over time, your memories are kind of defined by how you, maybe other people thought of him, but... I had it in my head that he was just this player that kind of sat in front all the time and just protected, but he did do that, but he, he got not forward as in in the box a lot, because it who's was kind of comical when he scored and everybody remembers that. But actually, see, when he get forward a lot, he would be quite happy to take the ball and move it. He was a lot Who did the mobile. one-two with John Hartson at Liverpool for Hartson's goal? Neil Lennon. It just surprised me a lot, I suppose. And it was... Um, yeah, so I think as a player, maybe people had this idea of him sitting there. There was a whole—I remember very, very well the discussion: Lambert and Lennon. No, they two can't play together. One of the most successful sides ever. Um, no doubt. And I, I did. I loved them both. Um, yeah, and it was just such a big signing, and it was bizarre because I think the one thing about Neil Lennon signing, because O'Neill had been backed in the summer, and then he got Neil Lennon. It was just a wee part of you that wondered. Are we just now going to spend like money always? <laughs> I know. You know, obviously that Probably. would not be the case for the next three and a half years because it would be extremely limited. But it was clear that O'Neill had come in and from day one he wanted Neil Lennon. Yeah. Um, and when he came in, you know, he had such a huge impact, um, both under Martin O'Neill and obviously Strachan as well, to be fair. Barry? Yeah, I think um, it was kind of a protracted season, wasn't it? Because I think Peter Taylor had taken over from O'Neill at Leicester and he didn't. Went to let him go. Um, but I think I've said this before and it was on that pod that we will never released uh, when we got beat 5-1 at oh, Ibrox. Yeah. Yeah. And the story goes that O'Neill had said to the board of you, sign Neil Lennon, that will never happen again. Because I think we overran in midfield that day. Yeah. Um, and he wanted a massive impact almost straight away. Um, one thing when you were talking about when you see him in old games now, we talk about now McGregor making angles for to take the mm-hmm, ball. Yeah. Lennon was very good at that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's good. funny, he, some of the footage you see, like, couldn't remember this offhand, but he takes corners and free kicks quite mm-hmm. high up the park Free as kicks well. all the time, yeah. Um, I think he was a great signing. Um, an important cog, as you say, he was, all the, the big performances we had in Europe, he was sort of front and centre, wasn't he? Mm-hmm. Except when he was getting booed for backwards passes. Yep, Boa Vista. Oh, um, yeah. 
And do you know, I've always got a theory on that game though. What sends people wild that night? It was light. People that don't know what to do. <laughs> See when it's a European night, Celtic Park, it's light. People <clears throat> lose. It's like a, it's like a full moon because it's either a, quali- a first round qualifier or you're deep into the competition, yeah, and, and you you don't really handle either very well, to be honest. Yeah. I, I remember I was up against it from the, straight away that night because I remember um, my dad said I'll just meet you up at the ground. Um, I think I was in sixth year, and I got there and. Obviously, everybody was buzzing because it was a European semi final. My dad's like, You remembered your ticket? And I was like, Oh, for fuck's sake. So, I managed to get my mum to drive up and I get in just, just as you remember, work alone was going and they only missed a European semi final. But yeah, that was, a, that was a strange night, atmosphere wise, wasn't it? It was um, horrible. I think, I think it was that just sheer nerves because yeah. most of the, the ties, I know there was a few sort of sticky performances, sort of ego at home and Blackburn at home, but. We tended to come out the traps straight away, and I don't think we did that night, and that kind of set the tone. I remember when we conceded. I know we've kind of went off kilter a bit, but that's the case with this this podcast about. I remember when we conceded in that game, and the whole stadium went. Oh, I literally heard everyone go, "Oh no, oh no, <laughs> oh dear, oh dear." <laughs> um, but Neil Lennon, how do you feel about him now? Don't have to talk about what happened. Just how do you feel about me now? Uh, <laughs> we can't talk about what happened. Everyone knows what happened. Yeah. I really dislike him. I think that's putting it as pleasant as I can. I think whenever I see him on TV or hear him on the radio, I need to turn it off. Aye. That's, that's, exa- that's exactly what I was going to say. I can't stand the sight of him. Has le- his, his legacy evaporated? Yeah, for me, yeah. But Alan? Yeah, I, th- I think it has. I mean, <laughs> if you'd have said to me in 20, 2011, 12 when we were... Even 2019? You know, <laughs> uh, no, nah, no, nah, because I think when he came back 2019, yeah, you, yeah. you felt like or even you when had you just, seen it before. Yeah, yeah. And don't get me wrong, you were enjoying I mean, you think back to like some of the nights we had in 2019, absolutely. Lazio. Lazio, incredible. cup final. final, brilliant. But there was, even at then, we thought it's his last season. We, I never thought, yeah, even if he does well here, I always thought it was going to be, we're going to have him to, for a steady hand, for the meantime, I didn't see any, now that's on me, like that's my stupidity, but in 2011-12, you felt as if he was an up-and-coming manager, who was, as I said earlier, trying to cut his teeth, who, and I, I don't know, this is going to sound ludicrous, but you looked at what Barcelona had done, no, with, no, with no, Pep, fine, and you yeah. thought, actually, maybe the way is to actually have someone come up, um, and, Yes, the city. <laughs> I the city. Um, both centre midfield players. I mean, that's where the comparison starts and ends. But I felt at that point there was something there. Second time round, not so much. And now, like Barry, I, see when I even see quotes from now, I, I don't want to hear his opinion because at the one, and this is maybe unfair, it's unreasonable, and it is the case though. I feel like every time he speaks now, and when he speaks about Celtic, he's trying to save his reputation or he's trying to repair some of that. Um, and I, I, Barry, I think it's it's gone gone for a long time. I said earlier, time's a great healer. Phew, don't know if I'll live that long. I think just on what kind of summed it up for me, and obviously it would go on to be even worse than ever anticipated. But walking from Hamden into town on the day that we'd one secured the, the treble, treble, and then I remember <laughs> a guy drove by and said, <coughs> "When he's been off for the job," and everybody just went. That oh no again, <laughs> and it just took the it took the life out of yeah, what should be a happy time, and that's maybe unfair on him, but it was very much that this was mm. get us over the line because yeah. I even think see the last home game of the season 
And he said, thank you for giving me this opportunity. So I don't even think he expected it. No, I don't think he did. So. And, and and that's funny, I, you know, I've told this story before, but we were doing our first ever reaction and it was for that cup final and it was me, my dad and Graham and um, Claire knocked, in, knocked on the door and went, Lennon's got the job. And the first thing my dad said was, well, you can forget 10 in a row. <laughs> And I remember thinking, oh, for fuck, come on. Aye. Try to be like, don't be, be just, 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 oh, just like to me, like, aye. I think I was at actually, I think I was at about Duke Street Station, by the, because I was walking from my house. Everyone remembers, well, like, when JFK, JFK got shot. <laughs> I, was, I was walking in, and uh, do you not remember it? Was there a rugby game at Celtic Park? That, I don't think, uh, yeah, was there that, was, yeah. The rugby fives or something? So, there was something. There was alcohol being because, I, because basically it meant you had carte blanche to drink in the street, so I had a backpack, and it was just, Chalk full of beer, I fucking weighed a ton <laughs> So I just had loads of beers and because obviously we're walking in, going to enjoy it. And then it was about Duke Street Station, I'm sure. And I, again, some anonymous person or my phone probably said, um, Neil Lennon's got the job. And it was like, uh, it was just immediately, don't get me wrong, you're still happy generally. But you did think, I remember when he got it and I thought, I don't mind that because it's just about getting over the line and actually seeing this out. It wasn't for me to go on the next year because post Brendan Rogers, I wanted to go up a level, not actually take a step back. And Absolutely. if Lennon Seaver would have left at the end of that season, it would be in a great position. But you can't treat the fans with the disrespect, in my opinion, that he did in that season. And the club did. He's not alone, but he played his part in it. Um, and that's, it, and that's, it was outrageous that season. That's a guy who I think genuinely put himself before the club. Yeah. In a way that I don't think a lot of other people have. I've oh, you've, up, I've you've ripped, ripped up his name. Oh. Do you know what's terrible? I've not ripped up anybody else's name. Don't rip anybody. <laughs> Everyone else that deserves respect. Even, even Reggie Blinker. <laughs> right, okay, let's let's move on. Let's see what we've got here. Shaky, shake. Could that be? Sorry, Alan. Was that disrespectful? I don't know what that is. We're all tense now. We're all having such a great time. Okay, here we go. Let's let's get a good one. Let's get a good oh, one. Oh, we can bring us all together here. Bonner. Have you spelled that wrong? I'm sure it's an E, isn't it? Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's an E. Ah, it's an E. We're going to discuss Scottish actor Mark Bonner. <laughs> Very See, good. I know an actor's name. There you go. Yeah. It's not Robert um, De Niro. Never heard him. <laughs> You'll have seen him. He's got the white hair and he's in He's, he's in a, loads of stuff. He, yeah, he looks like Lemmy a wee bit. Um, that's what people always oh, say. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, you know, ah, get I was, up, yeah. I was l- about to immediately rubbish that as ah, well. Get out, be. Right. Uh, Packy Bonner, one of my... Um, don't say you're fucking hero because you can't even spell his name right. Uh, not heroes. Uh, I just, I just, I like him uh, as a man. He's a good Donegal man. That's it. Um, as far as it goes. <laughs> yeah, I think um, he did fantastically for Ireland in the World Cup. Um, that's as far as it goes. Uh, he was good against Ajax away in what, 1985? 1980, I think. Uh, 82, I think, yeah. Um, and that's about it. <laughs> uh, when, when we started, when, you know, when I, when I was going to Celtic Park, he was so past it. He, he, I, the, the, also, the, the famous story about how Ireland versus Egypt, um, he had the ball in his hands. He kept getting it back. He'd had the ball in his hands for something like 12 minutes. Something ridiculous that UEFA like looked at it, or FIFA looked at it, and they were like, okay, we, this can't keep happening. And that's where the pass-back rule came in. And um, that killed him. That really killed his career. Really killed his career. I know Barry's going to tell a great story because I just love hearing it every time about Pat Bonner, the World uh, Cup. Italian, anyone? <laughs> Go on. I've, I've said it before, but since you like it, so... <laughs> since I, you like I, it. I Ireland played Italy in the quarters, I think it was. Yeah, yeah. 
And before that, they had had an audience with Pope John Paul II. Um, and he'd told the squad that he was a goalkeeper growing up in Poland. Um, which obviously went down well with Bonner and the other goalies. So the the game went on and then there was a, I think it was a shot that was palmed in Baggio. No, Scalacci scores the rebound. He does, yeah. Um, and obviously Ireland go out, so they were all in the dressing room, all pretty down. And I think Bonner went for a shower and uh, it was Andy Townsend who told the story. Said the fucking Pope would have saved that. <laughs> <laughs> Alan loves that. My my dad has just finished reading uh, his autobiography for some reason, and um, he married someone from the other side. Um, and his father-in-law used to have a season ticket at Ibrox, and uh, he basically gave it up, and they got basically a ticket at Celtic Park because he wanted to support his son-in-law and he's he was, talked about that before it's just it's actually really quite a i think his his father-in-law kind of saw the songs that were being sung and all that and i think he had a real sort of crisis of confidence mm. confidence of like you know, conscience and all that and then um, they had a really great relationship and yeah it's just uh, it was an interesting point i'll probably i mean i'm i remember bonner when i was young but i don't really remember i remember a lot of people talking about him and anybody anytime anybody talked about pat Bonner that they spoke about him really fondly but there was always like a it's like you would say his name and it would be like a sigh but he's obviously now he's a he's a pundit and has been for a long time and i really like him like he comes across as a genuinely decent guy and i like the way he talks about celtic he talks with great fondness and i think what I like about him a lot and he tells he tells a story so often about signing with Celtic and first coming over um, as a player and I just I don't know there's something about it he just when he talks about you know going to Lahn getting a ferry over it's it's very it's quite evocative um, so I, I don't remember as, as a player I, I know that we did not have a great history with goalkeepers for a long time and it would follow many years after Bonner left as well but Here's a guy I can have a lot of sympathy for. That might well be based on the fact that I didn't have to watch him. Yeah. But I've, I, I do like listening to him. I like the way he speaks about Celtic. I like how even now he's he kind of get quite high standards for Celtic. Like he's a pundit in the radio and like all he is that have a mic in front of us and talk a lot, he might say things occasionally that just are daft or you don't agree with. But he's I, I, I like Pat Bonner, I suppose, is the... That's fine, yeah. That's about that. Yeah. I think you... I think he was uh, Jockstein's last ever signing for Celtic. Is I believe. Right? Yeah, I think that meant in the uh, Mount Erigo Hotel. <laughs> that's where he signed. Is it? Mm-hmm. That's, I do where I, that's weird. That, like, so he went mm-hmm. from Jockstein all the way through to Tommy Burns in the mid nineties. That's quite a. We talk. Mm. We often talk about Larson sort of spanning. Yeah. Um, Celtic teams, but yeah, I like him too. It's funny when he. Clearly doesn't bother to learn people's names. He just says the big, the big boy in the, the right wing, <laughs> yeah. the big number eleven. <laughs> my uh, my parents have got a big uh, framed picture of Mount Erigel in the living. Is it in the Not in the new house. It's not in the living room, but yeah, in the house. Um, beautiful. It's beautiful. Uh, Barry, you're up. Okay, do a big, big mix. Mix it up. There we go. Beautiful stuff. There we go. Okay. Let me see. There we go. Wally Faulkner. <laughs> wow. Uh, Wally Faulkner. Um, striker for Celtic in the 90s. Um, he was the top scorer in... Uh, I was going to say the Hamden season, but... I think that was Pat McGinley, wasn't it? Uh, yeah. He was certainly in there. He was sort of 
Number one striker. I had no idea that we signed him from England. Where did I? I think we signed him from Sheffield United. This is off the top of my head. I'm pretty sure we did. Uh, I always thought we signed him from Aberdeen for some reason. Um, Willie Faulkner, thoughts, Barry? Um, Fond memories, really, because... I think, similar to yourself, Cal, the Hamden season was pretty horrific. But because it was the first thing that we knew in terms of supporting Celtic, everything was brand new, everything... You were hoovering up as much content from the programme that you could get in those days. <laughs> yeah, that's about it. That's um, and I remember he scored an absolute screamer of a goal. Um, oh, yeah. Left foot from about 25 yards side against Falkirk or maybe even Motherwell. Motherwell, I think it was. Um, and yeah... Um, we mentioned earlier Pierre Van Hoydonk and it's crazy to think that our main striker went from Billy Faulkner to Pierre <laughs> and I know they played together. But no, I've got fond memories of him. I don't think he would be fondly remembered by all, but you can only go on what you had at that point. Um, I remember people walking to the ground singing, ooh, ah, Faulkner. Um, <laughs> I saw where they were really singing, Barry. <laughs> maybe that's what I was led to believe until I yeah, got into the history ah, more yeah. myself, but yeah. I checked. He did sign from uh, Sheffield United, so well done. Oh, thanks very um, much. Where his goal record was as good as it was for Celtic, probably. Thought um, really thought number a bit before your time, maybe. Or just... No, well, I do remember him. I, see, when you said striker, it did make me think because I don't remember him as a striker. I just remember him. He looked like a generic attacking-ish player. Yeah. It looks even in the same way that you. I wouldn't call Darren Jackson a striker. He's, he's in that case of mold, similar, yeah. Yeah, forward, yeah. But he's not an, you're not an out and out striker. Um, a foil, maybe. I thought, aye, that's a polite way. Of, <laughs> I'm very polite. I don't a have great, foil more like. I don't have great <laughs> memories of it. It's probably actually at the era of Celtic where just before we actually started to get the talented players that I really enjoyed watching, like Phil O'Donnell, guys like that, who you actually felt like, you know, you quite like watching Willie Faulkner. It's going to be terrible. I just remember him as a kind of really touched kind of player. Um, not a great goal return going by the Wikipedia as well. And yeah, not great memories of him. And he wasn't the only one. I think in the years before that, was a lot of players of that ilk that we had a lot better in the period immediately after. So yeah, Willie Faulkner kind of falls down the cracks of Celtic history for me. I was just going to make the point, just looking at his goal return. So five goals and... 42 appearances it's not great I probably saw all of them I think um, do you remember any of them? yeah just that one they scored a screamer I think most if you're from a certain vintage you'll know the goal I'm talking about kind of opens it up and um, hits it from miles out in the top corner um, but yeah probably more like it, we often talk about placeholders he's maybe a placeholder forward for Celtic in that mm. season um, I kind of like him to all the strikers in that era, um, guys that didn't really work out. So, obviously, guys like Andy Payton, I suppose, did have, did have a good goal return. Wayne Biggins, guys that came up from England who yeah. hadn't really set the head of the light down there. Um, and we were just kind of throwing enough shit at the wall and hoping that something would stick. Yeah, he was... He, he kind of summed up kind of that era of Celtic where he would score the odd goal, but ultimately you're not... That was a time when we didn't really have twenty goals a season strikers, mm-hmm. uh, and I think Van Hooydonk's kind of the thing that broke the the player that broke that mold. But yeah, um, I still have like a shoot 
uh, profile of him, like that I've kept. I used to have on my wall, and I thought it was in that wee black box beside me, but it's not. But I still, oh, I still. I, still why you were, <laughs> I thought you were digging up the fucking floors. Um, but yeah, for some reason, like I, I, I was taking stuff down from the the um, loft the other day, and I just opened up, and it was just like right in front. I was like, Jesus. Anyway, shall we move on? Yeah, poor Billy Faulkner. Man. He's been absolute. Is it me? Uh, yeah, 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 sure. No, no, is it not you, Barry? Did no. I just do one? No, no, it was me. I got well, okay. Picked, you, you picked. <laughs> <laughs> you picked Willie Faulkner, and we all get dicked. <laughs> that enough mixing? <laughs> aye, that's enough. Aye. I just thought I'd let it linger on that last. <laughs> last <laughs> <shit. laughs> right, we have. I was about to say for a certain generation of Celtic fan, this won't mean anything, but you would have to have been born <laughs> about <laughs> three weeks ago. <laughs> Livingston away. One of those football expressions that I hope never means anything ever again. And I hope if somebody's listening to this in 10 years' time, they think, what the fuck did it mean? Yeah, go on. Let me start. Um, Livy away. <sighs> Rotten. Power cut. Um, as was actually the first thing that came to mind. Remember, we were playing Levy Away in the That's Power right. Cut. That's right. Yeah. Um, it's not a place. It's not a great away day. I think I kind of put lumped that in with a couple of other away days in the Central Belt that you would actually. They're not they kind of. They're not vintage days in the calendar, and until very recently, it was difficult for us. But now, it, we seem to have kind of done away with that hoodoo. Um, not a jinx too much, but. It's just, I've always looked at it and it looks like a wee Subutu type stadium <laughs> and one of those ones that it just it strikes me as no great football was played there. And I know that's probably unfair because over the years we maybe have had some really good goals and performances there, but it is not a place that's football based. Even it feels like everyone that goes there for football is bust in kind of thing. It's this wee community in the middle of a shopping centre that's, yeah, it's just a surreal kind of bizarre experience um, the last few years I've been lucky enough I suppose to get a ticket for there um, because probably folk don't fancy it and they think actually I'll give it a miss and, but fortunately we've had good results um, and I remember the the year before the Covid season leaving there and that was the night Rangers had completely fucked the league I say fuck the league. They weren't in a great position for Is it. Is that the Hamilton get there? Yeah, they get beat at home to Hamilton. And we... Um, Tom Tom Rogic equalised in the last yeah, couple of minutes. two each, I think it finished. Yep. And um, I, I remember leaving that stadium that night very much thinking that Rangers will sack Stephen Gerrard and we'll romp to another title. And it all felt good in the world until it shortly deteriorated thereafter. So. Literally in the world. <laughs> yeah. I, it's a weird one, Levy away, but I... Uh, it's something that might not um, be a thing, hopefully, going forward. Yeah, I would say that as well. Like, um, in regard to what kind of frustrates me is I just, the amount of times that you kept thinking, ah, okay, this manager, you know, when Ange went there the first time, you're like, here we go. This is, okay, finally now. Oh, and he lost that first game. You know, Rogers, you kept thinking, okay, here we go. And he lost, uh, didn't lose. Well, did he lose? Well, he didn't always win, you know, take away four points. Obviously, under Lennon, when Ryan Christie goes in with the fucking, you know, the the tackle and gets sent off. It's just that a, really early on as well, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, it was like ten minutes. Um, fancy it. It was just a, ah, it's a turgid wee kind of trip. Uh, as a, as a club and all that, fair enough. Like they are a kind of kind of community club, and we've had some people and have talked about what they've done. Ah, fuck them. Um, uh, Barry, your thoughts? Yeah, just to echo what you two have said. Like, um, not a the pitch is terrible. 
Um, the only good thing is that we do take over the majority of the stadium. And one thing that did make me laugh, because I think the last couple of times we've been together mm-hmm. at Livingston, was um, somebody on Twitter, see when Macaulay Culkin and Home Alone comes out and says, I'm not afraid anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it was like Celtic to Livingston. So long may that continue. Long, listen, this is going to be the last one we're going to do. I've always loved a wee blonde kind of... Peroxide blonde-haired striker as well, haven't they? <laughs> steady, <laughs> steady. Uh, th- th- this will be the last one we do. Um, this has been the the. It's <laughs> <laughs> completely ignored that. Which one we say? Uh, the, yes, 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 they do. Yes, Alan. Well, Lyndon Dykes. Name another one. Nathan Lowndes. He played for St. Johnson. Well, Griffiths. Also, he was ginger haired. I think Griffiths had fucking move on. <laughs> this is the last one we're doing. <laughs> Those other ones. Uh, I uh, will <coughs> have a look have a think um, nah this will be the last time we do it look um, if you enjoyed this podcast let us know email editor at thecynic.co tweet us at the 8 minute cynic because um, uh, we have certainly enjoyed myself and yep. um, we'll, if, we, if we can do more we'll, we'll do more it's been good fun maybe don't put the feedback part in right after aye. Aye. Uh, you can leave a comment on the website mm. cynic.co yeah. okay here we go last one is Barcelona oof oof uh, take this how you want it in regards to you don't even necessarily have to just talk about Celtic you can talk about Barcelona uh, for me um, a club that has consistently haunted Celtic in a lot of ways we continually draw them drew them in Europe um, I was going to say probably don't draw them anymore but you know we in, in regards to we've had some really great performances there I remember obviously the the one where uh, Jordi Albas goes in the last minute to equalise which would have been a fucking, fucking prick uh, obviously the, the infamous and you know, we've had a couple of doings, 6-1, um, obviously 7-0, but then obviously we've had the uh, unbelievable uh, performance, and uh, not an unbelievable performance, but an unbelievable result when we beat them at Celtic Park, um, a, a real mixed bag, um, but an amazing city, an amazing kind of, you know, support that they've got as well, and yeah, Barry. Uh, first thing that comes to mind is um, 2004 when Thompson scored yes. and I was lucky enough to, I'd booked up before the first leg so I was even more buzzing because I thought I'm going there with something to sort of hold on to even though you're praying um, that you can do whatever you can to hold on and we had a kind of makeshift team that night, um, I think we had a few injuries, I seem to remember. No Pet- Sutton. Yeah, I seem to remember Petrov playing just off of Larson, Larson yes. up front of his own maybe. Um, and David Marshall had obviously come in um, because of the fight that had happened um, with Douglas and Bobo getting sent off. Um, or Bobo, I think Bobo maybe the, did Bobo get sent off or a second jail or something? Bobo, Bobo get sent off, yeah. Um, and he was actually up in the stand um, with us. And I got a fo- few photos with, I got a photo with Bobo and Tommy Burns, uh, God rest him up in the stand oh, that God, night. That's and, fantastic. Obviously, David, David Marshall is the game of his life. Um, I remember there was, can still vividly remember this, Ronaldinho, who was the best player in the world by far at that time. Oh, aye. I think in injury time, had a free kick, maybe about 20, 25 yards out. And the amount of times you saw on Sky Sports, the free kicks that he would score. And he skied over the bar, and I think at that point, you just knew they would win. done it. Um, I think someone who was a sort of unsung hero that night was John Kennedy. Um, he was superb at the back. You think he's an unsung hero for that night? I think so, or maybe because Marshall gets so and then much. It's the ve- I'm sure it's the very next week, uh, midweek, that he got that terrible injury from it's, against Romania. Yeah. So I felt that was kind of taken away mm-hmm. from him. Um, but no, a great night, um, great memories, and as you say, the the two one um, in 2012 was incredible with the 
the club's anniversary. So fond memories. Um, you tend to remember the the good points more than the bad, but some of the hidings were um, very sore, and you just hope that we can avoid them because we seem to. I wonder. I think we've probably played them about ten times in the last twenty years, which is incredible for a European team. Maybe yeah. more. Yeah, Alan. Yeah, I maybe go a wee bit later. Um, I loved. I loved that Barcelona team under Guardiola, to be honest. Um, just the football they played at the time, the three midfielders, Xavi, Iniesta, Busquets, was just just the best team I had ever seen, I think. Um, Non-Celtic team I'd ever seen. Um, and then I was I went over to watch them. Uh, I can't imagine they were playing some, some Spanish no-mark, I would imagine, <laughs> to be honest. And um, I was just excited to go and see a game at the camp now and um, get a seat oh, it must have been right up in the gods probably right. where you would have been Freezing sitting um, Barry and it was it was hellish man it was nobody was watching football it was just everyone was just I think it was towards the end of the season and I think they just needed to keep wind to just tick it over and it was just oh, I had this idea that people in Spain go to watch football to be entertained and it's different from football in Scotland and that you don't go and back the team and I actually found out people in Spain just go to, I don't know, just Have hang about. And <laughs> just, uh, oh, it was hellish. There was a group of uh, guys and a couple of girls beside me and they were just absolutely steaming. Um, it was just so bizarre. And, and I, this is not like Glasgow. No, I, 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 know, I think I'm I was looking for something better, something ah, yeah. different. Um, I you ju- you just, uh, people just love getting bevied and going to watch football. I, I would obviously it is absolutely bevied as well. So You just um, assume they're more sophisticated when uh, reality they're, it, they're just like the same as us. But no, it was, um, I've, I've been a few times since. Um, Can I buddy? But <laughs> 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 when we drew them in 2012, um, and... That obviously incredible game, incredible display. I know it's such an easy answer, but that was just such a memorable night um, to get to see that team at Celtic Park, but then to actually get a result against them. So I get the point about being kind of haunted by them, but we have, compared to other European teams, we've had quite a lot of change out of them when you think yeah. about it. 2004 when... We knocked them out of Europe. Yeah. I mean, we knocked them out of Europe over a two-legged tie. That's pretty incredible. I think the reason though that people forget about that is because we didn't go on and win it. See, because I, we didn't, I, I mean, I didn't assume we were going to go and win it, but you felt oh, we were good for another final. Uh, see, after putting Barcelona in it, as you say, peak Barcelona. And then Barcelona. you draw Villarreal, who you would, yeah. And you were having a great season that season. Do you know what happened when they scored their first goal, the, the first goal in Celtic Park? Everyone went, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was a very similar night, actually. To very, very missed a penalty, yeah. I saw, yeah, I've been lucky. I've watched a lot of Celtic games over there um, and bars and things as well. I remember after we won at Ibrooks um, and a Celtic Sports Club, I fell off a pool table celebrating as well. <laughs> uh, stood, stood, stood in the cue ball. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, woke up the next day wondering why the fuck is my back bruised in an agony. But, Those uh, people some, that were next in the stadium so kind of So, no, there's some great times over there. Um, and I, had, I always said I kinda, that period under Guardiola when he took over I had a real soft spot for them so that maybe explains why I had such great belief in uh, our own Neil Lennon when he'd been reserve manager because Barcelona <laughs> had done the exact same thing and it worked out well for them so no uh, that's, uh, it's better than I'll be away that one I'll give you that absolutely listen this has been tremendous a lot of joy a lot of fun a lot of good memories um, as we say it's the, the first episode um, if you want more let us know um, but Barry Gallagher tremendous loved it thanks for having me Alan Edgar, thank you. Brilliant, thank you. From Barry, from Alan, and myself, Chris Gallagher, this has been Celtic Roulette, 
and we'll speak to you down the road.